Welcome to CCO Podcast, calling college students to serve Jesus Christ with their entire lives. Okay, good afternoon, folks. Uh, my name is Luke Bobo, and this is... Paige Wiley. Paige Wiley. We're being recorded. Uh, so we're both with Made to Flourish, um, a nonprofit in Kansas City, Missouri. Actually, it's located in Overland Park, Kansas. Made to Flourish is a, is a pastor's network. We help pastors, I should say our mission. Our mission is to empower pastors and churches to integrate faith, work, and economic wisdom for the flourishing of their churches. All that means is we help pastors to connect their congregants' Sunday faith with their Monday work. You may think of, think of it in these terms. We try to teach pastors to equip their people for all of life. Since Christ is Lord over all of life, we are encouraging pastors to prepare their people, equip their people, based on Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, equip them for the works of ministry. So with that, I'm going to hand the mic over to Paige, and she's going to lead us through a, a, a very short exercise. Thanks. Okay. Um, this will only take a couple minutes, but we encourage you guys to be a little bit closer and a little bit more together so that you could do this activity together. So I know y'all are here or because you're interested in dispelling myths about career and calling, because that was the title of this workshop, and you are here. So if you could turn to a neighbor, maybe a clump of people, I want you guys to think first about what is the worst piece of advice you've ever heard about career, calling, work, etc.? So turn to a neighbor. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten about calling or career? We'll take a couple minutes. Okay, I hope that was enough time. If not, we can go back to it at the end. But I would love to hear some of your responses uh, from your little small groups. So anyone want to be brave and be the first one to share the worst piece of advice they've ever gotten about career? Yeah, go with what pays you the most money. Yep, I've heard that one. Anyone else? Mm-hmm. Sorry, we'll go you and then we'll you. Okay. With, uh, in regards to like a calling or whatnot, people just say, oh, you'll, you'll know what it is. will mm-hmm. like, just know. Like, I have like a lot of different passions, so like, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll just know. You'll just know. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've heard that one. What over um, here? The idea of having to know what you're going to yeah. Yeah. Got to have it figured out by high school. Is that what you said? Yeah. High school, college. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? These are good. Was that before high school? Yeah, high school. Before graduating? Mm-hmm. Or before entering high school? Before graduating high school. Before graduating high school. Any other thoughts? Did we have... You can't move around? Yeah. Got to stay on one path? That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, go go to the biggest, most established places because that's where you'll find success. Yeah, these are great. Anyone else? Yeah. I think probably only go to the career that has that you know has job security. Mm, job security is a big one. Yeah. Does any job have job security? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Awesome. These are good. 
and we filled the entire page. Good job. Good spacing. <laughs> cool. Um, well, I would love to introduce uh, me and Luke a little bit, and then we've covered some myths and topics that actually I think align really well with what you guys have already um, told us. So hopefully this will be good content for you today. Um, again, my name is Paige Wiley. I work at Made to Flourish with Luke, uh, which is a pastor's network. Um, a little bit about my story so you know who I am and why I'm up here. Um, I'm not up here because I know a whole lot more <laughs> than any of you. I graduated college three years ago, so um, I'm by no means an expert. But I think that God has laid a lot on my heart about faith and work and calling and how to decipher those things. And so I'll give you a little bit more background to who I am. Um, so I was one of those people that never had an answer to the question, what do you want to do with your life? Like, I never had an answer to that. Um, friends would be like, I want to be a ballerina. I want to be a veterinarian. I was like, <laughs> I don't know. So um, that persisted pretty much through high school, through college. I was starting to be asked by seventh grade what college I wanted to go to, which was frankly crazy to me that a seventh grader is getting asked that, but um, kind of this persistent, like not knowing and feeling behind the curve because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so the irony was that in college, I got a job as a career counselor, a student career counselor. And so I was um, constantly in appointments every day talking to other students about how to discern this call, how to um, find the major or the career that worked best for them. Um, and so in my own not knowing what I was doing. I was actually giving people advice on how to do that. Um, but it was actually a really cool job. I, I started to think a lot about um, how did God create us? How do we discern where to go in a career or calling? What does that look like? Um, and I was particularly intrigued by the Christians who came in. This was a public university. I was particularly intrigued by the Christians who came through the Career Center who almost seemed more anxious than anybody else I was I was. Um, working with, which I thought was a really interesting um, notion. So um, this idea of faith and work just kind of really started integrating uh, in college. And then um, when I was graduating senior year, I had still no idea what I wanted to do. I had a degree in communications um, and some minors in anthropology and nonprofit leadership, and I frankly had no idea what I was doing. So um, I did what any millennial does, and I took a gap year, and I didn't contribute to <laughs> my society. Um, what, I, what I did was I took uh, five months, worked at Walt Disney World in a retail position, and then I went to Colorado, and I worked at an HR department at a YMCA camp. And then I went to Northern Ireland and worked uh, as a gardener for a summer. So all of that kind of gave me a perspective on work that I didn't have before. Um, kind of got to delve into escapism a little bit, but also came to learn a lot about who the Lord was through those different jobs, through retail, through HR, through um, very physical gardening. Um, and so then after that year, I figured I had to actually come home and figure my life out a little bit more. So came back to Kansas City, which is where I'm from. I didn't mention that before. Um, did this thing called the Kansas City Fellows Program. So I don't know if you all have heard of the Fellows Initiative. I highly recommend it if you're thinking about how to integrate faith and work. But essentially, it's a nine-month program for recent college grads. Um, you go and have a cohort of about 12 other people who are also recent college grads. 
you get help finding a job in your city, um, and then you take classes as well as work um, throughout the week with those people. So um, I was placed at an organization called Made to Flourish, and thankfully it was a good fit, and I'm still here to this day. Um, But I think what the Lord has taught me through all of that is a lot more about how faith and work integrate, and not just in one one calling that we have, and not just... um, in a way that you have to feel anxious about having to find and navigate that calling, but in a way that gives us a lot more freedom, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. So that's my story. I'm going to hand it over to Luke, so you get an introduction for him. So in high school, I was pretty good in math and science, and so my counselors suggested that I go into engineering. So I said, okay. So I majored in electroengineering at the University of Kansas, the greatest university in the universe. (laughs) I love saying that. So um, I majored in engineering, uh, met my wife there. In fact, um, I met my wife because I was her math tutor. Very nice, huh? So I graduated from uh, KU with a bachelor's of science, started working for an engineering company called Bendix. We made non-nuclear components for bombs. So just let that sink in. I worked at Bendix for six years in Kansas City, Missouri, and my career was not going anywhere. And during that time, I earned a master's in engineering uh, at night. So I leave uh, Bendix and move to St. Louis and start working for McDonnell Douglas. Um, F-15, F-18, those. What these planes are are flying weapons. So I worked for McDonnell Douglas for about seven years. And I sensed the Lord calling me to go to seminary. So we had just built a house in St. Louis. And the Lord was calling me to go to seminary, to leave engineering and all that money. My mother-in-law thought it was nuts. And my wife decided after four years of going at night to seminary, it was okay for me to go full time. So I left a engineering job, probably making over $100,000 plus benefits. And I don't regret that decision one bit because the Lord provided. And we stayed in that same house that we built using my salary. So I started working at Covenant Theological Seminary while earning my MDiv, I was directing the Francis Schaeffer Institute. You guys know anything about Francis Schaeffer? One of the greatest renowned apologists in the 20th century. So he taught people how to defend the faith. So I earned my MDiv at Covenant while working as the Schaeffer Institute director. I did that for nine years, and eventually I was laid off as director. So I lost my job in 2007 and started teaching at a university in St. Louis, Lindenwood University, teaching Christian ministry studies classes. I was teaching theology, ethics, hermeneutics, uh, you name it, I was teaching it because I was a one-man department. So after seven years of working at Lindenwood, my wife lands a job in Kansas City, Missouri, so we moved back to Kansas City, and I start working at Made to Flourish. So you can see my career engineer, to executive director, to professor, to director. 
which kind of blows this myth out of the water. Does it not? So if I can say one thing to you, um, follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to make you uncomfortable. If you like steady security, if you like the security of being in one place, I say take, take the ride with the Lord. It would be fun. Uh, there's never a job that I've had that uh, I didn't enjoy. And with the Lord, it's always an adventure. And it, it wasn't always following the money. Uh, when I was at Covenant Seminary, uh, my salary was reduced dramatically from being an engineer to being an executive director. But the Lord, through anonymous gifts from people on campus, uh, old ladies at church would just hand me a $20 bill because they knew we were struggling financially. But I never, we never went without a meal. You see this tummy? <laughs> we never missed a bill. And 25 years we stayed in the same house that we built, and I was making less as an engineer. And when you take uh, risks with God, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a risk worth taking. Thanks, Luke. Cool. So um, we want to hit on some of these uh, myths that you guys have laid out, some myths that we have uh, heard along the way and that might be interesting to talk about. Um, if you have questions along the way, Feel free to ask him. We also will do a question and answer at the end. So either way you want to do it, uh, totally fine. This is more of a conversation than anything. Um, I'll start with uh, one, and then we'll just go back and forth. Cool. Awesome. So I don't know if it's up here or not, but I'm sure that one thing that you've heard a lot is the phrase, follow your passion. I think it's, yeah, heard, follow your passion. I I feel like it would be hard not to. Okay. so that's, I think that this is a topic that people are talking about a lot more, like follow your passion, that have either criticism for it or um, kind of completely do away with that phrasing altogether. So I think that there is both good and bad to that phrasing. And I'll, I'll list three things that I think are a little bit problematic with it, but I'll ultimately lead that I think it's actually good advice. So the myths in it, the reasons that I don't think it is the best advice is, one, the phrase, follow your passion, starts with yourself rather than others. So when you think about work, work was meant to be service to the world, right? In Genesis, um, God created work in the first chapter of the four-chapter story. Work was not part of the fall. It was not um, diseased in itself. It is now distorted because of sin, but work actually existed before sin entered the world. So I think it's important to have that framework. So work uh, was made to be good and made to be a service to others in the world around you. So I think when you start with the phrasing, follow your passion, it's a little bit of starting with yourself, right? What's going to fulfill me? What's going to help me? Um, So building that framework, I think, to be different, the question I think should rather be, how can I be a contributor So it's not necessarily about fulfilling my own passion, but how can I be a contributor to the world around me? Using my gifts, using my talents, using my passions, but for other people. Does that make sense? The second thing I think is wrong with that is that I think it infers that there's only one passion to follow. 
and we hit on that a little bit earlier, but um, I'm a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I really love a lot of things. I ended up with two majors and two minors in college because I didn't want to pick one. Like, I love learning. I love um, understanding how a lot of different disciplines fit together. I was involved with a lot of activities, so I think sometimes when you hear the phrase follow your passion, um, it makes you think that there's one one thing out there that you have to really find and target, um, and then that's going to bring you the most fulfillment. Um, I've learned that it's a lot more important to find things outside of just that one narrow topic and to be able to broaden your horizon. So whether that's in a workplace where you get to have a lot of different hats, sometimes that's possible for people. Um, Other times it's finding things outside of um, a workplace. Sometimes it's finding extracurricular activities or hobbies to develop or um, groups to become a part of in your community to continue being interdisciplinary, even past college when you don't have clubs or activities anymore to join, right? Um, And I think the last thing that's wrong with that phrasing, follow your passion, is that I think it comes from a place of privilege. So um, if you think back to even 100 years ago, the advice that you would be given when you think about career was not follow your passion. It was much, much more... um, It it hinged on where your family was from. It hinged on uh, where you were located geographically, what assets your family had. So I think it's important for that context to understand that this cultural moment, I think, is cool in that you have a lot more freedom than people did 100, even 50 years ago to to follow something that maybe your family is not a part of or maybe moving somewhere that you've never been before. That's awesome. That's really cool. But I think we need to understand that's also part of privilege, right? And so some people do not have the privilege to follow their passion. Um, so I think sometimes when we hear that, that phrasing, follow your passion, um, it can create some anxiety when we don't have the opportunity to do that. So I would keep that in mind as well as you're um, interacting with uh, people who may not also have that privilege. Want to take the next one? So let me take the first um, one, go with pays the most. And I'm going to say something that I've learned since working at Made to Flourish that has really shocked me, and that is this. It's okay to earn wealth because some of you are benefactors of those who are wealthy. Wealth is part of the reason why Made to Flourish exists, a a very generous donor. So earning wealth is a noble enterprise. But when we make money the first factor or the first priority in choosing a job, we actually go counter to what Genesis 1 and 2 says. Genesis 1 and 2 says that work is more about contribution than compensation. So our task as believers is to find those places where we can contribute, not where we can earn the most money. And furthermore, when you make money the most important thing, that really sets you up for a bad precedence. You'll start making decisions in the future based on money. And it's been proven that money is not always equal to satisfaction or meaning. There's so many people who are making a lot of money who are also miserable. 
And I would say, say, say this. Um, there's an old movie called Chariots of Fire. The runner says something like this. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. So Chris, our colleague, and Paige know that when I teach, I feel God's pleasure. So all that to say, find that which gives you pleasure, or where you feel God's pleasure. And that takes, that takes trial and error. You may have to try several jobs and occupations to find that thing that makes your heart sing. Or that thing that um, gives you pleasure, or you feel God's pleasure. Remember, I didn't start teaching as a professor until I was well into my 30s. And so if you're looking for that, that grand slam, that home run right after college, it probably won't happen. So I, I just want to uh, prevent you from being disillusioned that you're going to find that home run job right after college. Some do, but many don't. So I used to um, have a preacher friend in St. Louis who said, if you can't say amen, say ouch. (laughs) Amen. Cool. Um, I'm going to hit, I think I'm going to hit on a couple of these. Um, Some of them kind of weave together. But there, so one of the myths that we came up with is the idea that there's only one right thing for you, that there's one path that you're called to do. Um, this was a big source of my anxiety and my um, whole not knowing what I wanted to do and feeling like I was behind the curve because I didn't know. So this is called the bullseye distortion. And the bullseye, bullseye distortion says that there's one thing I was made to do. And if I don't figure out what that is, or if I don't land that job, or if I don't follow that path, then I screwed up. That God's going to be mad at me. Um, and I think even saying it, it kind of sounds a little ridiculous, like, oh, you know, like, that's not true. But I think that either implicitly or explicitly, that's kind of what we're taught as a culture, right? Like, do the thing that you're made to do. Find your one true calling and the world will be a better place. And I think that there's a lot of pressure on that topic and notion. Um, I think both Luke and I's stories speak to that there are a lot of things that you can do, and there's a lot of ways to make the world better, and there's a lot of paths that that can look like. Um, Something that I loved about Andy Crouch's uh, topic last night was that in creation there's abundance, and I think that sometimes in this uh, fight to figure out what am I supposed to do or what is that one path that God's called me to, we forget that God gives us options, right? And so some people get that Moses, like, burning bush moment, like, Moses, here is what you're going to do. You are called to this place to speak to this person, and this will be the outcome. I think that's what a lot of us want. Like, we want God to be very, very, very clear. Here's what you're going to do, and, and here's the outcome. And I think that that maybe reduces some anxiety and that we don't have to choose. But I think that as, as good as that is, and some people will experience that very specific, narrow topic, here's what you're called to do, I think probably many more of us will not experience that. And so we kind of feel like, okay, so like, what do I do? What's next? Um, And so I love that that idea of abundance. And I think with abundance, that there's an abundance of choice. And that choice is also a gift of God. 
And I think that we don't see it as that. I think we see it as a puzzle or a maze that we're confused about and we don't know where we're going, um, but we're trying to find God at the end somehow. And I think realizing that in Luke and I's story is that you can be an engineer, you can be in physics, you can be an artist, you can be a stay-at-home parent. Like There are a lot of ways to contribute to the world. And because we understand that work is good and work was good from the beginning, that you can glorify God in a lot of different options. And so I think even if you do believe in the notion that there's one thing God has called me to do, I think the other question then is, um, do you believe that God is in control, right? Like if you believe that God has created you for one thing, which genuinely I think some people have. Like don't hear me say that that's not true. I think God gives very specific callings to people. Um, But I think that that, also looks like trusting, right? Like, for me, I wasn't given one path to follow, but every day I get to come back and surrender to the Lord and ask him, today what's next? Today what's next? And sometimes that's enough, right? Like, today what is next? Um, yeah, looks a lot more like surrender. And uh, I, I just challenge you to look a little bit more at options as a gift and less of um, a detriment. Mm. Let me hit briefly on number three, uh, knowing what you're called to do before graduating from high school. So uh, Tom Nelson, our president, often uses this phrase, uh, we go forward by looking backwards. In other words, sometimes you can discern what God is calling you to do by looking backwards. When you're about to graduate from high school, there's not a lot of years to look backward to, right? Right? But there are exceptions. For example, I know this um, friend of mine who has a nephew. The first three words out of his mouth were mama, dada, kaka. At three years old, he became a car mechanic because he had a fascination with cars. At three years old. I've met other people. I met a, a young man who's a police officer In elementary school, he was drawing pictures of police officers. So there are exceptions to the rules, but for most of us, for many of us, we haven't lived long enough to know what we are called to do. We we discover that by experimenting, by doing trial and error. And for some of you, that's that's very fearful of you. You you probably fear the notion that you have to do trial and error. But it's pretty exciting. And if we have a God that's resourceful, that's faithful, all the truths about God, he's, he's a provider, he's trustworthy, we can lean on him, he comes through. If we believe all those things about God, we can, we can trust him with our careers and our vocations. Can the church say Amen. Okay, let's pretend like we're in an African-American church. Amen. Let the church say amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm sorry. You come and get a mic. I sort of Okay, so we're going to go to that you need to know what you're going to do before you graduate, whether high school or college. Um, so I think it's cool we live in an American school system for a lot of colleges that allow you to be flexible, at least within the first few years of your education. So there's open option programs, right? There's uh, career centers. I worked at a career center. I met probably half the people I 
met were open option or had changed their major at some point. So um, I think that just is not true that you don't have to know right off the bat. I think that there is something to be said about wisdom and going, if you're going into school to not just be completely unaware of what you want to do, but I think it's okay to go in with some questions and some options um, and know that the, the system is fairly flexible. However, I do want to talk about, um, I think navigating your call or navigating your career takes three things. Um, I think it needs education I think it needs awareness, and it needs experience. So when you're in college, you're going to class, you're getting an education, right? So you're, you're in the process right now of educating yourself in some sort of a degree, a major, a disciplinary. The awareness, I think, comes from self. So becoming aware of your own gifts and your own talents and your own strengths, I think that that comes uh, in adulthood. So I think that comes from 18 on, I think it can start earlier than that. But when you're taking those career assessments, when you're diving into your Enneagram, um, when you're learning about your motivations and who you are and what you have gifted. When I worked at the Career Center, that was like my favorite thing was having people in front of me that was like a totally unique design of a person who had different skills and different talents than I did and got to come in and explain their passions to me. It was like the coolest thing ever. So I think it's important to have an awareness of those things and to take the time. It really is okay to take the time to just sit and like figure it out. And I think that that isn't super flexible in our system right now that you kind of go from high school straight to college and it's like, hope you figured it out. But I think it's okay to take that time for yourself, whether in a small group, whether with a friend, whether with your family, to sit down and ask them questions like, what do you think I'm good at? What do you think um, I, could, I could stand out in? Or um, having them uh, speak into you a little bit more about, like, where do you see me going on this path? So again, self-exploration is that second thing. And then the last thing is experience. So when you're trying to navigate a call, um, you do need experience, just like what Luke was saying. And that takes time, right? And so I think it's okay to give yourself some grace um, that you probably don't have 15 years experience in an industry right now. And that's okay. And that's where you're at. Um, some things to navigate that well, I always recommend summer internships. So um, really, really take advantage of that time in between your college years, if possible, or, or your summers in high school. Um, so I worked at a different place every single summer. <laughs> I don't know if that's like the best advice ever, but, um, I worked at a parks and rec department. I worked for a summer camp. I worked, uh, in daycare. Like I, I did a lot of things cause I didn't know and I needed to explore. Um, or you can do what I did after college and take a gap year. There's a lot of seasonal work out there that if you're just looking to explore and maybe travel a little bit and see the world, um, I think that those things are also possible. Um, again, that comes with wisdom. And that comes with um, knowing what's financially uh, available for you to do. Um, and if that's not an option, I would also just recommend shadowing. Like, if you haven't thought of it before, shadow your parents at work. Shadow your parents' friends. Shadow your friends' parents. There's a lot of people out there that work in a lot of different fields. Um, and where you are lacking in the experience of Maybe you don't know what you want to do yet. Um, there's a lot of people who are in a lot of different fields. And frankly, a lot of jobs that you probably have never even heard of. <laughs> My dad works in like medical tech sales, and I would not have known from high school that that was a job, right? So there's just a lot of different things out there. Um, and 
it's okay to take a peek into what that experience could look like. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a gift for you. We didn't have time. We didn't have time to wrap it. <laughs> do you want me to? Do you want me to pass out and you ask questions? Yeah, those are paper. Those are purple. I'm okay. Okay. Um, as Luke's passing that out, we'll maybe come back to some myths. But do you all have any questions along the way? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a great question. How do you help your parents or other people's parents figure out the idea of calling? Is that the question? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, So I think that that comes a lot with context and developing some understanding. So one thing that I discovered in my career process was that my parents uh, had a very, very different view of work than I did. Um, and that's not because they're bad and I'm good. That's just because we had totally different upbringings, right, in the way that career was looked at. Um, so I think, I mean, one thing that comes to mind is resourcing. So books like this, uh, there's a lot of really great books in the library that speak a little bit more about um, a foundation of theology of work. And I think that that's kind of what it comes down to is um not just the idea of you have to go chase this American dream, like the American dream is a framework, right? So if we're not chasing that, if we're not chasing security as, you know, you have to have a job so that you can be safe and secure in the world, um, which are both good, honestly good things. That We're not trying to knock either of those things. But um, I think giving a different framework, uh, whether in a book like this or um, Every Job a Parable by, um, I'm going to forget the author of it, I think it's oh, John Van Slotten, um, excellent book. Um, I think just building different theology of what work is intended for, which, again, is hard if your parents are not um, theologically in the same framework. But um, I think I had to come to a point as well where I just had to make peace that I was not going to be my parents. And <laughs> we joke all the time. It's funny now, but when I before I took a gap year and kind of like avoided adulthood for a while, my parents came up to my college town and like basically got mad at me and like yelled at me at a coffee shop and I cried for like two hours. So we're good now. Like we've <laughs> reconciled and uh they, uh screamed at you why. The, um so they just didn't understand why I wasn't going into um a full time job right away. They didn't quite understand um the tension I think I felt with wanting to do something that I felt I was made for rather than just making money. Um, and again, I think that comes with wisdom. Like, we can't all just go and follow our passions right out of college, right? But I think um, I think a part of adulthood is learning to separate your decisions from your parents. And that's painful, and that hurts sometimes. And there's a way to honor your parents through that. But um, I think it comes a lot down to framework and theology. And if those are different, then making peace with, you're just not going to change people's minds overnight. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. I don't know if you want to answer anything.
So how do you know? Um, well, one way you can uh, distinguish or determine that is ask, ask good friends that know you well, that can tell you, I think you're full of it. I think you're pursuing that because uh, for your own selfish motives, or they may say, I think you're pursuing that for your, for your unselfish motives. And then uh, secondly, uh, do a gifts assessment. Do you have the gifts and talents that fit, that are suitable for that position? And so I would say uh, those two things. And then thirdly, uh, as I said, look backwards. As you, as you take an inventory of your years in, in the rear, could people say, you know what, I can, I can see you doing that. So remember, we go forward by looking backwards. So look backwards and ask yourself the question, are there evidences of me doing work like this or similar work like this? Uh, so number two, ask someone that knows you well, that can, uh, several people that know you well, and they can, they can help you to determine if you're doing this for a selfish reason or an unselfish reason. And thirdly, you need to ask yourself the question, do I have the skill set for this position? And so I would say those three things. Other questions? Yes, ma'am. What's some advice you have for going towards a calling that scares you? Mm-hmm. What advice do I have for someone going for a calling that scares you? Um, I guess I'm, I'm looking at a career in counseling, and yeah. that requires a good amount of school mm-hmm. and a good amount of money that I'm not sure that I have. Yeah. But I do feel like I'm being called there. It's mm. good. I think, oh, there's so much advice I could give. Um, Frankly, I think it depends on the situation and the person. So um, typically when I think God calls you somewhere and you're fearful of it, um, I think it's good. (laughs) I think it's humbling. And I think it has to come with um, continuing to come back to the Lord and make sure Right, so that it's not just like I woke up one morning and like this is my new career. Like I think it comes with discernment and calling, and I think you understand that. But um, I think a lot of God's calls do tend to scare us, and uh, I think that growth comes with that. And so I think again, and I've said this a lot of times already, but wisdom and discernment is a big thing. So you have to weigh the cost of school. You have to weigh the cost of um, risk of you know, not going to a opportunity cost economics, um, not going to a different opportunity to pursue that. Um, and I think it also has to come down to, I think if you look five years, 10 years in the future and you see yourself, um, and ask where you want to be, that's been one of my biggest compasses, I think of growth. So, um, when I took a position at Disney, I had to think, okay, do I want to be at Disney for 10 years? And the answer was, frankly, no. Like, I went to go work at Disney because it was going to be fun for five months, right? But I did it also because I knew I wanted to go experience something and be uncomfortable for five months. And so I think when it looks like growth, I think it's um, that has some positive points to it, right? I can't sit here and say either way is you can go good or bad, but I think um, when I've decided to stay at Made to Flourish, um, I... I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Uh, frankly, it's not like the job that I thought I would have out of college, but I think 
I've wanted to continue to grow in a position like this at a startup nonprofit where I have to wear a lot of hats and I wanted to learn from the people around me. And I think that sometimes that those things are more important than the actual work that we're doing. So I don't know if that's helpful or not. But Yeah, I would, I would add um, to be fearful of something is a pretty indi- indication that God is calling you to it because otherwise you wouldn't choose it. I, when I was working on my Ph.D., uh, my pa- pastor had the uncanny ability to call me when I was when I needed to, when I needed encouragement. And he said to me, Luke, it would be irresponsible vocationally for you not to pursue your Ph.D. And it may be irresponsible for you not to pursue your counseling degree. Because we listen, I think there's going to be three jobs that will probably have job security. Uh, funeral director, beauticians, and counselors. Because we're, we're all pretty messed up. Right? And, and there's been stat after stat after stat that says teenagers are perhaps one of the most anxious demographics around. So at least you have job security. Other questions? Are you clapping? <laughs> Maybe that's a signal that we're done. Other questions? Well, I think on behalf of Paige, I think um, we, we appreciate your attendance and your participation. And we'll stay up front in case you have more questions. And we hope this booklet that Paige and I uh, wrote would be helpful to you. Thank you for coming.